Hello and welcome to the coolest kids. I am your co-host Terrence Wiggins, and joining me is my co-host Brock Wilbur. And joining us is our special guest. Uh, my name is Mitch Bowman. Mitch, what do you do? Who are you? What do you want? Uh, <laughs> I write about things on the internet sometimes, and I used to play in some emo bands, and yeah, I'm real into this bullshit. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so today we're be- going to be covering the Blood Brothers crimes. Not like crimes that the Blood Brothers did, but... <laughs> That's a separate episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh and that crime the... was the side project called jaguar love ah yes the, the most heinous <laughs> crime of all yeah I, side project. i don't i don't even know what that is <laughs> um excuse me i have to burp and it's like stuck in my chest somebody talk <laughs> so the blood I brothers are a, are a band from seattle that formed in 1997 there are five pieces that is known for uh having uh, two lead singers uh, one sort of does this really high-pitched thing, uh, and the other one does this uh, low, uh, sort of uh, the low Bowie voice. Uh, and uh, the two of them uh, are sort of backed by a rhythm section that carries the band and a guitarist that is usually just playing a completely different song. Uh, <laughs> and and it, it all works out. Uh, and then uh, they, they went from being this, this very screamy, jumpy band to... Uh, sort of mellowing as the lead singer got into using keyboards a lot more. Uh, and it's still got uh, all, all of that violence to it, but as they matured as a band, when they realized that they had to start singing a little bit because they would just shred their throats every night, uh, we kind of hit that stride on on this album, Crimes. Burn Piano Island Burn is, is a great post-hardcore album. And then there's this, which is this weird mix of like a, a musical and 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 like apocalypse cabaret, uh, and then just a couple of like two minute fucking burners, uh, <laughs> and it and it all comes together on an album that uh, is is fun to listen to now because they made it in two thousand and four about how uh, uh, B- Bush got elected uh, for that second term and that they were just like oh, oh I think our resistance failed we kind of thought everyone was going to rise up and we were going to fix things. And that 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 didn't happen, and they got real depressed about that. And and in a post-Trump world, it's that same album again. Uh, so it's it's real fun to revisit. And then they did one album after this, uh, and uh, the problem was that they went on tour opening up for My Chemical Romance, and they just kept getting Ooh. booed off stage at shows <laughs> by My Chemical Romance's fucking terrible fans. Uh, and so uh, Young Machetes is an album that they made for My Chemical Romance fans, and they sort of lost all of their fans because everyone was like, the shit is this. Uh, and then they broke up because they're like, you know what, we've been together for 15 years. If no one likes the music we're making at this point, why would we keep dealing with each other? Uh, right. <laughs> which which was a fair thing. And and I've gone back and I like Young Machetes now, especially like after having 10 years without getting new music, I, I spent more time and I'm like, okay, I, I get some of the things now, but crimes is, is my favorite of what they put out. Cause it's that perfect blend of it's, it's, I, I, I feel like there should be a name for the album when, uh, when bands realize they have to stop screaming and start singing because for cursive, for blood brothers, for a lot of <laughs> other bands, that's always my favorite album. Like, you know, what if we tried to do better, just a little better music? Uh, and, and the, the product of that is always something really interesting. 
Yeah, I, I also went back and listened to Young Machetes fairly recently, and I like it now. Like, I didn't like it uh, super a lot when it was It new, has but... a song called Rat Rider about someone riding on a giant rat. I, <laughs> I, like, I know that this is all Salvador Dali, Francis Bacon bullshit, and I love it for that. Uh, it, every song is basically just the sound of an eyeball being cut open with a razor blade, and that's fucking cool. This is the party I want to be at. But at some <laughs> point there, I was. It felt like it, I felt like what they took from my Chemical Romance was the idea of like, what if we were writing a comic book or a cartoon instead of an album, and and that's what they made. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a song on that album called Huge Gold AK47 too, which is just a great song name, and it's not a I... rap song. I'd never listened to this album before. I'd only ever listened to Young Machetes. Um because that was that was like the one I knew like about, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't really I didn't know anybody who listened to the Blood Brothers, so I just never like w- was exposed to them. Um so I was just like I'm going to check them out myself. And I listened to Young Machetes and I liked it when I heard it, but I just never went back and listened to anything else. Uh-huh. Um but I did enjoy this album when I heard it. It reminded me of if Portugal the Man was more manic, yes. like early Portugal the Man was uh, just louder and screamier. <laughs> this is this. Uh, I always think of like you know how everyone likes to uh, put their hands in the air to show that they know exactly when the breakdown comes in a Thursday song and exactly what words they're supposed to yell in the quiet parts. Blood <laughs> Brothers is that every 10 fucking seconds because a song can't go 10 seconds staying the same song. It, it just stops and goes a different direction. And right. it, it just, to sh- like, you can physically show that you know these songs because you have to memorize them in order to enjoy them. Yeah, I, like, um, I was listening to it and I enjoyed the album, but I felt like... Like, listening to it just completely, I was like, man, a lot of these, like, I don't know when songs end. Like, it just seems to keep going. Yeah. Uh, Like, it didn't, like, I got to, like, track six, and I was just like, I don't know what track I'm on right now. I had to check my phone to see, uh, because it was, it was, it's a lot of everything all the time. And I think all of their albums, except for Young Machetes, kind of, uh, do that where there is no silence between songs burn piano burn piano island is absolutely just one song from start to finish Mm -hmm. Uh, and i think that that's always been a big selling point for me is that i I love anything that feels like it's a concept album and this has always felt like a concept album about bushism but also really about like the loneliness of a big city uh and Mm -hmm. and and it feels like it, it it hits that mark and and the fact that it never really stops to do things but that those breaks come in the forms of like the slower, more melodic songs like Car Crash or the song Crimes, which is just that very slow piano roll throughout. Uh, yeah, I, I like that it does that, and I like that you can get lost in what this album is. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a remarkably, like, relentless album in a way that, like, I don't think there was very, very many bands doing that at the time. Like, the, post-hardcore was really into this sort of like self-indulgent thing of having these often pretty intolerable interludes of like them whining about stuff or whatever. And like (laughs) Blood Brothers had none of that. Like they were just like straight, super aggressive all the time forever. Yeah. When I was, um, when I looked this album up on Spotify, it was the uh, 2009 re-release and it definitely sounds like something from 2009. But then I discovered that this came out in, what, 2002? 2004, oh, I think. 2004. Like, it, to hear that came out in 2004, I was like, I can't think of anybody around that time 
that sounded like this. That mm-hmm. like, it's just it's it's relentless and loud and relentless. Like, <laughs> wait, 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 Darren says as the yeah, this is your first time listening to the album, and I'm I'm sure you like read lyrics along with it. Like, what did no. you what did you think of this? <laughs> uh, I didn't I didn't read lyrics. I just kind of listened to it uh, to try and pick out stuff, and it sounded like a lot of I guess bands that. Um, bands of this ilk uh that i've listened to that came after the blood brothers that have you that i could definitely tell were influenced by them mm. um where it just kind of like without reading lyrics it just kind of sounds like discord nonsense um like once i once i uh went to the wikipedia page to read about it i was just like they were like uh it's a it's a political album about uh how much they hate george bush or whatever and i was like okay i <laughs> I, I heard the hatred i, 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 I was like I, it's, I definitely heard some uh some uh some anger but i don't know what it was about it, and... it, it made me think about the episode we just recorded with trin uh, where she mentions that uh, when she thinks of uh, emo and screamo, that uh, she really thinks of like two guys yelling back and forth to each other. And I was like, no <laughs> one ever really captured it better than the Blood Brothers too, because uh, they it is just two guys not not bothered with having to play a guitar or anything, just screaming uh, scary words at each other like a Halloween party that's mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I never, like, I don't think a lot of the people who listened to these guys back in the day, because, like, I was a teenager when this album came out, and I had no idea it was about George Bush, like, and I think that was kind of a valuable thing for this album, like, it's really enjoyable even if you don't give a shit about the politics of it, and, like, when you're, you know, like, that scene was largely populated by pretty young people, and I think, like, it's an easier sell to get them into something that stands on its own merits than something that's good because it's good political commentary, I had always yeah. seen it first and foremost as like the sadness of the big city. I literally played it as I was driving into Los Angeles when I moved here. Because uh, <laughs> like the opening lines about like you you can recognize your your neighbors uh, sobbing through the walls in your in your paper thin apartments. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just looking forward to that. I know that that's what I'm moving into. Let's just get prepped for it now. Now, Mitch, I, you brought up this uh, album up because you brought up the idea of Sasscore, which I'd never heard of before. Can you explain that? Sure, yeah. Sasscore, I don't think, was a thing at the time. Like, I don't think anyone called this music that when it was around. But in retrospect, a lot of this sort of band, there was this band, there was Fear Before the March of Flames, there was mm-hmm. The Fall of Troy, uh, mm-hmm. there was The Plot to Blow Up the Eiffel Tower. There was a bunch of these bands that did this, like, really spastic... Uh, style of post-hardcore and the sort of connective tissue besides the music was also the aesthetic of those bands like they were all had these like sort of like flaily effeminate vocalists and like there was there was a look to it that was like very much trying to be transgressive in the way it actually like looked on stage and stuff it was almost like shoegaze if they screamed all the time (laughs) like because they're always looking down and yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah, everyone was sort of in their own world about it, and like it wasn't. I think it was almost deliberately trying to be hostile and ignore the audience in a lot of ways. Like, I, yeah, I do remember a high school friend when we went to see them uh, being like, "You know, the entire band is gay, right?" And I was like, "That's not true." And then, like between songs, like they were very effeminate and 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 uh, would say things like, "Take care of each other," but also 
like would hold their hands and their bodies in such a way as if to invoke that. And I was like, if they are gay, that's cool. But also if they're trying to invoke the concept of gayness because that's punk here, that's also cool. Like <laughs> I don't, because <laughs> I, 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 I still don't know because it never mattered so to look this, into, but I was like, that's, that makes sense. This sounds like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. <laughs> I, I, char- I took my... characters just going to stand <laughs> posing. I took yeah, my also, sister to see uh, them on the uh, Burn Piano Island Burn Tour because she liked that album, even though she's five years younger than me. She was like an eighth grader in middle school. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, what have I done to you? And also, you're, you definitely just say that you like this because your cool older, older brother... Uh, likes it so we went to lawrence kansas to see them in a, in a small tiny venue that i snuck her into uh and the opening band was a local band called uh, donkey punch and in the middle of the set the lead singer Good. stripped completely naked and started mm-hmm. jacking off on stage and then they kicked <laughs> them out and i just looked over at my sister and i was like so i'm responsible like for your first dong right like you just saw your first yeah that's the thing like i'm a terrible brother and she's like it's it's what a concert should be and i was like you're right eighth no. grader like that's what a concert should be uh, you, you, i don't know what i expected <laughs> to have here uh, and then plot for eiffel tower went up to play and then it was blood brothers and i was like all right this is <laughs> we'll get this night back on track <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good that's a stacked lineup that uh, is that's a lot of saxophone yeah I couldn't. Uh, you said you introduced your sister. She, you said she was like fourteen. Yeah. I don't think I would have listened to this when I was fourteen. I don't think so either. But I did buy her a bright pink shirt that had the uh, the Burn Piano Island Burn logo on it, and she still wears nice. that shirt. So. Oh. Yeah. I, I was only like I think sixteen when this album came out, and but I think this is actually something I wanted to talk to you guys about. Is uh, this isn't like an entry level band, so like. What? Oh God, no! no. <laughs> Brock, Brock, you were into this band when they were around. Like, what was your gateway to this? Like, what were the bands that sort of were the stepping stones to you being into shit that was this like weird and transgressive? Uh, I think it was stuff like a, 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 a. It was a mixture of stuff like Cursive and Thursday, and then it was uh, somebody. I think uh, it, it might have come around the time that like Cursive uh, had Blood Brothers opening for them on the yeah, Ugly okay. Organ tour, and that was before this album came out, and that's when I got real into burn piano island and then this came out and i was like this album also has a lot of organ uh with a lot of screaming behind it like these are maybe that's my connective tissue i just want a really fucking cool korg at all times and people (laughs) making noise around it (laughs) i also want a cool corgi um (laughs) no a korg (laughs) i under it was a joke it was a pun brock come on it's a keyboard it's called a korg i know what a korg is it's spelled a k um yeah that blood yeah, was, sure was good at fucking keyboards eh like god damn some of the i was i re-listened to burn piano island too like just uh mm-hmm. just yesterday and there's the one song on there uh cecilia every every, every oh yeah cecilia yeah like oh my god the synth on that song is incredible and and to know that the lead singer with the high voice is the one playing that keyboard is also yeah a, like i i really like that that song like which doesn't it doesn't fit with the music of the rest of the album but that really connected with people and i like that they heard that and they're like what if we did more keyboard stuff uh they have a on their first album there's a song called american vultures that's just uh the lead singer playing like a really out of tune acoustic piano and screaming <laughs> over the top but it is a lot of the same it's the same sort of Ba-dump, ba-dump, bump, 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 ba-dump, bump, like a sort of a dancey, old-timey musical kind of stuff. And uh, and that that's the last track on the album, and 
they just sort of scream over the top of a piano. And I was like, yeah, you always kind of circled around this instrument, even named the album Piano Island. And then by the time you get the keyboards in there, like Terrence, I know, you know, Laser Life, because, you know, Young Machetes and that that's the only good song on that album. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's 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 so interesting to watch them, like, especially because when you get into those songs, uh, something about him playing keyboards means that the songs actually have to have a familiar song structure. Like crimes is just the one thing all the way through, or or laser life, you sort of get verses and choruses, which you don't get in a lot of Blood Brothers music. Yeah, it, there's there's something about crimes that's so that's so extra catchy because it's when they also realize like, what if we just put little do do do's on the top of stuff like a doo wop band? Or we, <laughs> yeah, you can you can just make noise and still make noise catchy, and I think that that's what this album did perfectly, and no one has ever recreated in the same way. That's true. Yeah, this album's like super discordant and all over the place, but still manages to be like incredibly dancey. Like I remember going to see this right. band and people dance their asses off. Like despite the fact that it's yeah, it's super like aggressive, discordant craziness. I think that um that goes along with the sort of uh Sascore as you mentioned. Um like uh The Fall of Troy. I love I love The Fall of Troy. Um Doppelganger is one of my favorite albums. So good. And it's uh like it's just this besides uh fcp remix like the rest of the album is just kind of this like technical and loud and like i don't know hard like it's 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 weird um but it has like this flow to it that i feel like a lot of sort of um i guess i guess metal like technical metal kind of misses um that this is this kind of music feels easier to like. I, I listen to like uh, between the bear, like early between the bear to me and stuff like that, and I like it. But it doesn't have the same flow as just like when you get into like sort of the technical post hardcore stuff or the sascore um, th- that I found missing For sure, that I yeah. really enjoyed about this album. There's a, there's a, there's a lot on this album that separates it from uh, that they started doing on Burn Piano Island that they hadn't done before, and it comes from uh, Cody Vadalato's guitar work, which. If you don't know, he's the brother of Rocky Vadalato, uh which I didn't know because I listened to Rocky Vadalato. Like I, I loved one of his albums. Makers, and I, like I'm looking through it, and there's like three bands he's been in that I've listened to. Ear, Earwig and uh, yeah, no, I, uh, Telekinesis uh, is the other band that I heard that he's been in that I didn't even know about. Yeah, um, it's it's funny when uh, Cody guests on uh, Rocky stuff because it's always playing like some sort of like electric flamenco guitar very quietly in the background or something. I'm like, oh yeah, there you are. There's your brother. <laughs> uh, and and so what they started on on uh, Piano Island that they do more here is that uh, he just doesn't turn the distortion on on his guitar, uh, and so the the bass and the drums really make up the the sound of the distortion and his guitar. He gets into a lot of like. Uh, classical finger picking and mm-hmm. and stuff that it sounds like it was arranged for a piano that he's playing as if it was done so uh, and and just to throw that on top of this it's so interesting because it's you could make more noise here but if you have noise and then you have something very clean over the top of it you're you're building so much more and some of those clean guitar riffs like the start of Live at the Apocalypse Cabaret. At the bum bum bum, like that used to be my ringtone because I just think it's one of the it's it's one of the catchiest little guitar riffs I've ever heard. But you would lose it if it was just uh, if it was just more noise. And I think that that's so interesting. And then and that sort of goes away when they get to Young Machetes when they're like, no, we gotta be a rock band 
that a, a rock band we don't like's fans would enjoy. And that's <laughs> that's the downfall of a band. <laughs> yeah. I, to Terrence's point, I think there is something about this music that was like crazy technical in a way that I think a lot of punk music never has been and isn't anymore. But like, yeah. it never felt like... Like, I listen to a lot of metal and it sounds like dudes trying to be technical for the sake of being technical because they think it's impressive. But you listen right. to these albums and it's dudes who seemed like they learned how to play that well in service of the kind of music they wanted to make. And it's like right. a completely different vibe. Like the, the technicality <laughs> of these albums doesn't feel like it's there because that's impressive to people. It feels like it's there because they wanted it to be and like that's what they wanted it to sound like. So they all just got really good at their instruments so that they could do that. Yeah, it feels like music made by nerds. Totally, yeah. Um where it's just like like they obviously love doing like making like these weird sort of things that most people don't other don't really do and uh they just put it into music instead of into something else totally yeah <laughs> and, like do you guys you guys ever listen to protest the hero yeah they're like pretty metal now and like i don't really like their current stuff but like their first couple of stuff their, their first couple of releases were like a lot less metal and a lot more post-hardcore stuff and I remember hearing a story about that band because they're, they're a Canadian band and they were like sort of in our scene and um, they wrote a bunch of that music on their first release in like pro in what's the guitar pro the thing that lets you just like write out a tab and then it plays it oh yeah mm-hmm. they wrote a lot of the music that way and then had to just practice their instruments fucking constantly until they could actually play it like they, they like to that that like spirit of just like we want to play cool shit so we're just gonna learn to be really good at our instruments in service of that is a, th- right. a thing i think you hear a lot of on this old sascore stuff that like i don't hear a lot in most moderns like you know the stuff that's descended from this yes there there's there was bad. there was a shift that came with a people write at length about how nirvana killed hair metal uh, but the quote that I always uh, enjoy about that is that, like, you had to go to Guitar Technical Institute for a couple of years if you wanted to learn how to play, like, a song by Kansas. And anyone in the world could pick up a guitar and play a Nirvana song almost by accident. <laughs> and that that's what that sort of, uh, what that sea change was. And it made it uncool to know how to play a guitar solo. And and Green Day's always been the best example of this because their early albums it, they they have guitar solos, and then by the time you get to Dookie, he's somehow forgotten how to do that because it's cooler to know less about the instrument. <laughs> yeah, uh, and so yeah, it is cool to see people try to be better at a thing, or to make, or or just to achieve a sound, which I think is what we're saying about this Blood Brothers album. Like maybe you got better to make more noise. Totally, yeah. Like nothing about right. nothing about the technical parts of this album feel like they're trying to be like. Ooh, look how good a guitar I am! Like, there's none of that <laughs> bullshit like there is on so much metal. Right. It doesn't sound like they're they're attempting to be different. This is just what the Blood Brothers sound like when they're a band. Not... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which which makes me bring back to the Fall of Troy. Like, there's three guys in that band, <laughs> and like the lead singer is playing guitar. Like, if you listen to like how the guitar is going while he's singing, I'm just like, my brain can't process. Like I understand, I don't play guitar, but I, I I've learned some stuff on it, and I understand how a guitar works. I can't imagine playing guitar how he plays it, and sing at the same time. 
it's, 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 yeah. it's, 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 it's just like a constant solo that he's playing. He's never right, playing yeah. chords or anything. And he's also doing incredibly difficult vocal stuff over the top of it. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, and he wasn't like, he wasn't even trained as a guitarist. He was trained as a drummer. Hmm. Of course. So that makes it even like, it's just like, what, what in the world? Like that goes back to what I was saying about like nerds made this music totally. because they wanted to, they like absorbed all this. They were like, I want to make this thing. I'm going to get really into it. And it's going to be great. Yeah, like, uh, uh, Fall of Troy was super into, like, looper shit, too. So that guy was playing, he was doing most of the vocals, and then playing super hard guitar parts, and then looping those guitar parts and playing other super hard guitar parts over top of them. Like, I remember seeing that band live, and there's there's three dudes on the stage, and they're making so much fucking noise. Like, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's obscene. Um, and that's not to say, like, the rest of the band isn't, like, doing anything. Like, the bass and the drums, like, it's just this, like, when I heard that, when my brother first let me hear uh, Doppelganger, uh, I was very impressed by it. But then he told me it was three guys, and I was just like, <laughs> that doesn't make any amount of sense. They won't be able to recreate this on stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they totally can. That, like, yeah, I, like, looked, them, uh, looked up a video. Uh, they even, like, even the video for FCP Remix, like, it's just, like, showing him play the guitar. It's just, like, up close of the band and everything. And, like, watching how his fingers move across the frets. I'm like, what? What is happening? It's amazing. Go listen to it. We'll do that episode one day. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, that, that's a, that album's also definitely a classic doppelganger. Fuck. Yeah. Well, and when you do an entire album based on House of Leaves, you've got that, you've got my concept album. Uh, thing. Wait, is that the deal with that album? Yeah. Oh, I had huh. no idea. I didn't know that either. Is that, is that, um, does that timeline even make sense? How old is House of Leaves? Uh, yeah, in fact, uh, Johnny. Was... I mean, Johnny Truant is in the title of that of one of the songs, and and Johnny Truant's the character from House of Leaves and stuff. Oh yeah, right. Weird. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I was gonna say House of, uh, House of Leaves came out. Uh, what? I remember people reading it when I was in high school. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, what was I going to say? I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's gone forever now. Uh, yeah, it is. Like I, was, <laughs> I had something to say. Then my dog was like, my dog was like, I need to get out of the room. So I was just like, okay, I'll say this thought when I get back. And then I sat down and I was just like, you have, you have no thought anymore. <laughs> it's gone. It's gone. So, so Mitch, what we like to do on the show is talk about, uh, should should this album be revisited? Because some of these albums don't deserve our time. I think this album has improved with time. What do you like guys think? In, like revisited as in like should people go back and listen to it now? Yes. Oh yes. hell yeah! This album still fucking rules. Yeah, this is a this is a really good album. Um, I I don't I couldn't find myself listening to it all the time uh, just because it's so loud and discordant. Sure, <laughs> but. Um, like it seems like a driving album. Like if you're if you're riding around somewhere, mm-hmm. like having this on loud in the car would be a lot of fun. It's a great way to get arrested for speeding, as I have done uh, once with this album <laughs> and twice with the Venture Brothers soundtrack. So <laughs> uh, this album is like going back and listening to it, like like I did yesterday, is like it makes me realize how much of what I like about music was formed by listening to this stuff as a teenager. Like right. mm-hmm. all, all the like my priorities in music, like even just the fact that these albums are like very deliberately not accessible. I still love <laughs> right. shit like that, and I still like kind of look down my nose at albums that are super accessible. And like 
you know, like, I'm an adult now, so I've, like, gotten over that to some extent and, like, try and be less of a snob about it, but, like, it's still in there. Like, it's still just embedded in the way I think about music that, like, I like stuff that's weird. Like, I like stuff that's hard to understand and hard to get into, and, like, right. this kind of music is, is for sure, like, yeah, formed a lot of just the the way I think about music and, like, my tastes in music. Right. Um you were saying earlier how like the bands that came after the sort of um the sort of era like i would probably say around like 2009 when i feel like there was a sort of sea change in like post-hardcore where like post-hardcore and like pop punk and like emo kind of like became homogenized yeah into like this one like every band sounded like a day to remember yeah uh and that like killed everything like i sort of like a day to remember i used to really like them now i go back and listen to them just like uh, yeah i can't do, i um, can't do that band at all <laughs> yeah like i had got mm, this was like 10 years ago i'd got there i was working at a i was interning at a radio station and they gave me one of their albums i was like hey this sounds different and i listened to it and then like even like a few years later i was just kind of tired of it like they're they're the whole like because it, it combined like all the the rowdiness of post hardcore with all the my friends are the best friends that I'll ever have of uh, po- of pop punk, and like by the time I was like twenty five, I was just like I'm done with this. I don't need this anymore. <laughs> the thing, the other thing that I think happened was a lot of that sort of metalcore stuff got sort of homogenized into this. So you ended up with a lot of the bands that in the mid two thousands would have been post hardcore bands, but by the late two thousands were doing this stuff where they were like trying to be quote-unquote heavy on purpose and had all this sort right, of like tough sure. guy posturing shit and like right. that stuff is fucking unlistenable to me yeah, like uh backwards hats and um and uh like gym shorts and like yeah, yeah. gym shorts and basketball is, or like <laughs> tank tops and whatnot yeah is like, there is there a, is there a name for this period you're the one that knew sass core is there a basketball core what? Oh, oh shit! Posture core. There is a thing called gym shorts hardcore, but that's a different thing. That's bands like H two O and like uh, <laughs> you know, like actual like hardcore for hardcore stuff. That makes sense. Well, there was. Do you remember? Do you remember this band? Uh, it was Attack Attack. There was actually. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Crabcore. There's actually two. Yeah, Crabcore. Crabcore. Yeah, uh, of course. That's what the like really it, bad version of this stuff was called. Yeah. Um. There was two bands. There was two Attack Attacks. Uh, one is from the UK, and they're actually a good band. Oh. Uh, and um, I had listened to the American Attack Attack because I like this band called I Set My Friends on Fire. Oh, yeah, I remember that band. They do, like, they do like weird, kind of similar to some of the Blood Brother stuff, but it's like this weird like metal nonsense, mm-hmm. uh, like almost joke album. Yeah. <laughs> and so when I listened to Attack Attack, I was just like, oh, they must be doing the same thing. And then I like, watched their video and like read about them. I was like, "Oh, they don't. This isn't ironic. This is, this is uh, not anything. <laughs> oh no, bad." Um, like I saw, uh, I set my friends on fire in concert, and they were like these super nice guys. And like one of the guys on stage was just wearing like I guess it was like a bull, bull like mask or just like huge like mascot head while they were playing, <laughs> and it was just kind of really ridiculous. Um, and uh, they were a lot of fun, but like going like attack attack wasn't that at all. And I also think they were a Christian band, um, Ooh, which where, none of it made sense. Where, and they like were were they one of those? Because there was a shitload I, of that, but it was a little earlier than them. 
Or there, was yeah. no, there was a whole record label for that, right? They were called Tooth and yeah, Nail. Yeah, the, the, uh, Solid State. Solid State, uh, was, Solid like State the... was the was the harder version of um was Tooth and Nail's yeah. like yeah um yeah it was like Under Oath and like all the yeah. Norma Jean and all those bands that were all like pretty right. overtly religious. But, uh, let me see. I'm gonna look this up. Attack Attack but wasn't think... a Solid State band, but they might have also just incidentally been been a Christian band. <laughs> I think they, I like the I, I like that I'm seeing in my head with the one with the mascot head on is that they were just doing like a funny version of the toxic masculinity version of punk. <laughs> like I, I do want to see that. <laughs> um Yeah, I I don't I don't I think I remember reading somewhere they were they were a Christian band but I, I'm not really uh seeing it on their Wikipedia page. But yeah, they were a bad band. They were yeah, real they bad. were a real they're real terrible. Um, and that's just you should go listen to them. That's just what post hardcore was bad. for a few years there too. Like I, yeah. I remember the two big labels were Rise Records and Sumerian Records. Were like that was like the early Sumerian. 2010s, and like yeah. that stuff is all just like irredeemably garbage. Like it all sounds exactly the fucking same. It all just has like these like stupid chug chug breakdowns that they have all like adapted yeah. from metalcore. And like yep. yeah, that stuff's real bad, and it it <laughs> bums me out a lot to think about that stuff, right? Because that is like pretty much the direct legacy of the post-hardcore we all really like like the stuff like right. Brothers, like that stuff doesn't really exist anymore and the, no. the trajectory that that whole scene has taken is into real garbage i mean i'm hoping they can make like i feel like this could make some sort of comeback this sort of post-hardcore because like like i guess like late 90s emo made a comeback there's like yeah. stuff like there 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 and uh, so you'll, you'll, uh, you'll be pleased to know there is at least one band doing Sascore revival, and it's okay. and they're really good. They're, uh, Who is it? Uh, they're called CU Space Cowboy, mm. which is a Cowboy mm. Bebop reference. Oh no, I was gonna say <laughs> Cowboy Bebop's one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah they're called CU so Space I was just Cowboy. Like, oh man, I was gonna say <laughs> this all lines up for me. <laughs> yeah, they're from um, California, I think. They're quite good. Like you can, their stuff's on Bandcamp and stuff. And like there, oh, there is sort of nice. rumblings of some sort of like white belt core like or sass yeah. core revival <laughs> so yeah i don't know it might happen there's at least one band uh, i'd be i'd be excited because I, I just feel like it's like i went to i went to warp tour in like 2009 2010 some year like that mm. and like a lot of the bands just sounded the same like oh yeah it was like everyone everyone was just like hey you you know the band four years strong we're, we're gonna sound like that <laughs> um and it's it's just kind of disappointing. And I had a lot of friends who listened to them. And I was just like, ah, eh. yeah. It just all sounds the same. It's rough for sure. Yeah. Uh, speaking of speaking of bands that are associated with things, the the two spinoff bands from uh, from Blood Brothers worth knowing. The first I joked about before, Jaguar Love. The uh, the high vocalist guy and the guitarist of the band teamed up with uh, Jay Clark from Pretty Girls Make Graves. And they did a dance band, uh, and then mm-hmm. they then they broke up with Jay Clark and just started putting drum machines behind them. Uh, and they, their albums are called like holiga- hologram jams and stuff. And I, I really just think it's a chance for uh, that singer to sell more of his shirts and his weird art. Like I, I, <laughs> I, I, I had an opportunity early in their career that I was gonna direct a music video for them. I think because I was the only one reaching out to ask about it. And then that went away, uh, and I was just like, "Oh, this is weird. This is this is not a great thing." But the other band that I have caught is Head Wound City. Oh, Head Wound City great. is uh, the low vocalist and the guitarist uh, teamed up with Nick Zinner from the Yeah Yeah Yeahs and two members of the Locust, and they have a couple of albums, and they're all under ten minutes long. They're just a 
burst of noise and then done and out. And I'm like, this is exactly what your side project should be. You wanted to make something for skaters and then you get out. They record everything in like an hour. Like it's, (laughs) it's exactly what it should be. Yeah. Their first album is Um, so good too. (laughs) I have some bands to recommend if y'all like the blood brothers. Um, uh, there's a band, they had an album uh, called The Circus, or called The Venetia Fair, um, which kind of has like this sort of spirit hmm. to this. Ooh, I'm for, for that. It's, um, <laughs> except for it's like a, a concept album about a circus. Um, <laughs> and like, there's like, I'm so like, happy right now. It's, it's kind of like a, a, uh, a toned down Blood Brothers with like Calliope music and uh, yeah. It's uh, I really like that album. Um, it's not oh, it's not as fast and discordant as this is, but uh, there is some interesting stuff in there. Um, there's this band called uh, Spark is a Diamond. They only had one album, like this electro punk band with a female uh, lead singer, uh, and she's she just screams over this like fast electro punk. Um, there should be more electro punk in general. I think we can all agree on that. <laughs> Uh, it's and they do a they do a cover of uh, "Push It" by Salt and Pepper. <laughs> oh my that god, that is that is real good. Terrence, um, I don't know. Have you heard the Blood Brothers cover of "Under Pressure"? I haven't. <laughs> it's it's flawless. It's perfect. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. Is it better? Is it better than the used to My Chemical Romance? That's version? what I knew you were going to bring up. And the answer <laughs> is yes. <laughs> um, and then uh, I'm. People have heard of Foxy Shazam, but I don't think anybody's really listened to their first album, The Flamingo Trigger, which sounds nothing like the rest of their stuff. What's the band called? Uh, What'd you say? What's the band called? Foxy Shazam. I've never heard those words. They they (laughs) did. One of their songs songs was like uh, on the Super Bowl like three years ago or something like that. Um, (laughs) What? But uh, yeah, they like they... They're very queen-like, oh, okay. at least like, yeah, their later yeah, totally. stuff is. Um, their later stuff, like the lead singer, sounds a lot like Freddie Mercury. Yeah. Um, but the first album is weird. Um, I'll link you the song. It's called "No Don't Shoot," uh, and like it's it's hard and soft and uh, uh, I can't describe it. Like it's. It doesn't fit under any label that I could possibly like. I would say, I would say it's a post-hardcore album, but it's not at all. But some songs are, but some songs, but then again, they aren't. Um, but yeah, those are those are my recommendations. If you' looking for something esque, hmm. some Blood Brothers esque music, or, yeah, I got, or give I got... Crimes a chance because if there's one thing that their Crimes has, it's that, uh, and I don't know how it separates itself from everything else in this genre. This is 39 minutes of, of noise, and it's, but it's catchy and interesting and puts an image in your head constantly, uh, <laughs> and, and it is a fun experience, and I feel like, you know, it's, it's nearly impossible to start somebody cold on Blood Brothers, but this would be the chance to do it, and if you go in open to it, I think it's really worth it. <laughs> For sure, yeah. I've got some recs, too, actually, if we're, if we're talking about Do stuff it. that people like that is like this. Um, I've got a really deep cut one that I'm sure no one has ever heard of because they're a band from here. They were a band from Vancouver that I remember seeing when I was very, very young. Uh, that was They were around at, around this time, too. Like They would have been probably contemporaries with the Blood Brothers, but mm-hmm. uh, they're called The Red Light Sting. 
And uh, yeah, if you look that man up, a lot of their stuff sounds a lot like the Blood Brothers and is like really, really good. Um, so yeah, they're cool. Uh, we mentioned a couple of the other ones already, like Fear Before the March of Flames, the album, mm-hmm. uh, the Always Open Mouth. Like that, mm. that album's super, super good. Um, yeah, obviously Fall of Troy. Um, oh, there's a band, a more recent band that I don't think actually owes much of their influence to the Blood Brothers, but is coincidentally really good in a lot of the same ways. They're like a screamy, spastic band that manages to be really dancey and has cool synth parts in. They're called Comadre. Like C-O-M-A-D-R-E. So yeah, that, mm-hmm. that band's a good, a good one to check out probably. I'm so happy because I've never heard any of either of your recommendations before. Like my, <laughs> my whole next week is just buying all of these albums. <laughs> nice. Uh, Excellent. Yeah. You're going to have a tough, find, t- a tough time finding the Red Light Sting, but if you can, their shit is uh, real good. Let me f- see if I can find the album name here. Um, uh, I would also maybe recommend uh, Bear vs. Shark. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, same record they, label, I believe. Uh, I was gonna say they they definitely have sort of a similar sound, um, but the the it's it's the it's slower, and uh, the lead singer is very gruff sounding. Um, but yeah, you should listen to more more stuff that's loud. <laughs> listen, listen to loud things. Mitch, you oh. got anything to plug here? Oh, oh I, I found the the name of that red light singing album is Hands Up Tiger. Uh, yeah <laughs> stop don't shoot hands up tiger okay yeah uh do i have anything to plug uh i don't know no not really i'm at m bowman on twitter uh that's probably it uh brock do you have anything that you would like to talk about Would you like to link nope just tell people at, about just at brock wilbur keep being nice <laughs> at brock wilbur that that should uh just you should hand that out as a business card at Brock Wilbur, keep being nice. Uh, you could just find me on Twitter at the Black Nerd. Uh, Mitch, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks um, for having me. This is this is very much within my wheelhouse. So I'm glad to be here. I was say if we do Fall of Troy, I might just be like, hey, you should come back and do this. Oh yeah, anytime you guys um, are doing wacky, wacky mid two thousands heavy post hardcore <laughs> shit, I, I, that's extremely my lane. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, and as always, we are the coolest kids, and we take what we can get. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye.